Hey everyone, my name is Rami and I'm your host for another episode of Bonfires of Social Enterprise. We have the incredible Lisa Johannan of Central Detroit Christian, or as she calls it, CDC, with us. Lisa gives us a brief overview of the 10 social enterprises and how they have all held a role in the renovation of their neighborhood. At the end of the episode, we of course have a great song for you from Detroit artist Malaya. Before we move further, Let's see what Jensen has for us in the fun fuel. Hey, this is Jensen with your fun fuel for this week's episode. I was originally going to talk about Detroit and its comeback, but couldn't resist talking about baking. As you get further into the episode, you will see why. So this week's fun fuel will be on the history of baking. During the Middle Ages, baking was a luxury that few were able to enjoy. Usually only the rich and royalty ate baked sweets, such as cake. During the late 17th century, sugar became cheap to purchase. As a result, many people started making pies with sugar and spices. And then came the birth of having a dessert course with meals. With sugar being more easily accessible came the invention of the cake hoop and the cake tin, along with other kitchen equipment to bake sweets. Schools actually started teaching pastry making at this time. In the 18th century, cake making became very popular and the art of culinary was born. This was also a large credit to ovens becoming cheaper to purchase and many people having ovens in their homes. In the 19th century, baking powder was invented, moving cakes from being made with yeast into being made with eggs and flour giving us the cakes and bake sweets that we see today. This is Jensen, and this was your fun fuel for this week's episode. Enjoy the show. Baking. I love baking. And guess what? So does Lisa. I've known Lisa for a while, and I purposely asked her about baking because I know that she's baked goods for everyone, from some of the local gang leaders, city officials, to her great neighbors. I love the thought of unlocking something in city government by bringing them a pie. <laughs> so as you drop in on this conversation, listen for all the relational activities she's engaged in for the broader good. She knows it's all about the people. Central Detroit Christian is a faith-based nonprofit organization. We are uh, this month celebrating our 22nd anniversary as a nonprofit. And we are committed to education, employment, and economic development within economic development, really trying to promote and develop businesses in our community to serve as employment opportunities for our underserved community and also for amenities that are missing here. Well, that was an amazing synopsis, given how giant your organization is that we'll learn I, about. I try. I try to get that elevator speech as small as I can. I've even got the mission statement down where we're transforming individuals while we're transforming our community, you know, oh, yeah. because it just, it can get to be so, you know, 20 minutes later and their people's eyes are glazing over. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe if you would, would you mind setting the backdrop of the neighborhood that you're in for those that are unfamiliar with this part of sure. Detroit? Yes. So we're in the central Detroit community, which encompasses several different uh, sub-communities like the North End, Piety Hill, Virginia Park. And these neighborhoods have been chronically uh, under-resourced for probably generations. 
and so we do experience generational poverty. About 76% of our community area lives below the poverty line. We have about a 66% unemployment rate. We're an area that has been very challenged economically, and we have probably a very low graduation rate compared to other areas of the city also, where about 35 to 40% are graduating from high school right now. So that's why we have just an all-encompassing approach to what we do, working with children all the way up to you know 85-year-olds and trying to, like I said, transform people while we transform our community. And so there's no quick fix. There's no easy answer to anything that, that we do in terms of working with people, in terms of working with God's people and the urban poor. And so businesses is one of those ways that we do it, though. Yeah, and before we go to business, something that I know about you because we've connected regularly over the years is that I, whenever I think of you, Lisa, I think the word relationships. You've done a phenomenal job to take your time and build relationships in the community. Would you mind talking about that a little bit and how that's, well, I don't know, become part of the personality of Central Detroit Christian? Well, we are. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up uh, and, and guiding me to say the right things. <laughs> but we are very, we're very neighborhood focused and we're very much about living in our community that we serve. And so majority of our staff live in our community and, and that makes a difference. And so what we've done is we've developed relationships uh, with our neighbors and we treat them like they're our neighbors instead of our clients. And it makes a difference. And so you, um, you go to somebody's house and you, you bring a casserole because their husband passed away or you pray with them. You, um, you know what's going on on the streets even before the police get there. Um, you uh, really just have the advantage of being in people's lives and, and being in their homes. And um, you're, you're part of their family as opposed to, like I said, a caseworker or a social worker. And so you get to know and understand what the issues are in the community in, a, in, in a just a, I think, a way more comprehensive way than someone who's an outsider coming in every day trying to figure it out. And that makes a difference. I think it, it puts us a little bit ahead of the average Joe trying to, trying to make a difference in the under-resourced community um, because we're right there with the folks and we understand what the issues are. Yeah. yeah, it's far different looking somebody in the eye and having a, um, a heartfelt conversation than it is reading a report or porting in and out for the day, as you just said. Right. Yeah. Right. And it really uh, is. you've been known to be quite the baking, the baker. You take, uh, <laughs> you take baked goods even to city officials, right? To get what you need. Right. You know, I mean, that is my mantra. I mean, that's going to be my, my, probably my final business that I develop before I retire one day, Rami, is uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be called Bakery Babes. And <laughs> we're just going to bake. I'm going to teach young girls, I mean, teenagers, how to bake. My specialties are sweet potato pie, key lime pie, um, you know, peach cobbler, um, banana pudding, um, pineapple upside down cake, and uh, oatmeal raisin cookies, and just, oh, and pound cake, you know, and just teach them how to bake this, and we're going to sell it, and um, <laughs> it's going to be awesome. So good. <laughs> it's going to be fun. It'll be fun. It'll be my, 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 my grand finale. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, I have a feeling it's going to go way beyond that, Lisa. <laughs> well, let's take, <laughs> us back, uh, let's take us back because I know it didn't start originally with businesses, but how did it start 22 years ago when you, when you first arrived? Mm -hmm. 
it was more of a traditional nonprofit at that point, right? We focus primarily on education um, and youth programs, yes. Um, it takes a while to get your feet wet in terms of housing um, and uh, figure out how to work with the city and the government officials. But we, um, yeah, that's how we started. And then it was probably 10 years into that uh, that we said, let's, let's start a business. And so that's, um, that's where we went. Uh, with that and we took off from there and and your first couple times are not necessarily uh, successful you know yeah, uh, you so run glad into a lot of telling everybody that I try to tell people but they come out with this perfectionistic expectation oh my goodness if you can't understand that we we have to have a culture that allows failure uh, then you're never going to make it in in business and so, um, so we really did that. And, I'm, and, and you know, um, our first business was a recycling business. And uh, we um, did, uh, we collected redeemable bottles and cans here in Michigan. They're worth 10 cents. And uh, that was great. Um, we collected probably 64,000 bottles and cans a month. But we found out it was costing us more uh, to... Um, uh, it was costing us 13 cents a can, you know, to, to, to collect these cans and sort them. It was a great job for teens. We were probably employing a dozen teens a month on a monthly basis, you know. Wow. But um, we, uh, <laughs> we couldn't make it break even, so we, we, cut, we cut back and we did all these business things, you know, measures to, to make it successful. We got it down to 11 cents a can, but then we realized to really be able to get a break-even point, we had to collect about um, – quarter of a million cans and I said um oh, that's just not gonna work <laughs> oh my gosh it's not gonna work so um yeah that's where so we said okay we'll sell this one off and uh and then we did that to our um we sold it to our um um driver and she's been running it ever since as her business she can make it happen, oh, and that's fantastic, but we couldn't make it happen as a youth entrepreneur thing. Another one, we sold just this past year our landscaping company to um, the manager, um, Craig Grissom, and he um, has a very colorful past himself, and, and um, you know, but he really jumped through all the hoops that we asked him to, to um, get this business um, and so he did that, and he, he, um, he bought it on a land contract from us over the course of a year. And at the end of that year, which was just, you know, this past year, he uh, made a profit. And I'm looking at it and going, man, we struggled to keep that thing above water. <laughs> and here you take it for one year, but it just goes to show you, you know, that uh, when you're the owner, you, are, you have a, just a greater level of, of buy-in than uh, – and he, he had to make some serious decisions. And he couldn't always lead with his heart, which I have a tendency to do. So, and that keeps you poor. Um, and so you're always balancing. You're always balancing between the, um, you know, the, the head and the heart in terms of a business or a social enterprise anyways. So. Yeah, and I think one of the things that uh, you're not giving yourself credit for is you're actually incubating the whole concept and bearing the cost of all of that, which yeah. is 
in real world, they tend to be in a non-profit place, even as a for-profit company for yeah. generally up to the first five years is, is very traditional, at least in the Midwest. So you're, you're somewhat incubating it for them and letting them train and learn and then yeah. giving them a business. I mean, it's incredible, really. Yeah, but I'm also a soft touch. Oh, go ahead and hire the sixth guy, even though it's really not in our budget. Go and hire him because he needs a job. <laughs> you know, whereas now, now Craig has to say, no, I don't have it in the budget, you know? Right. And, uh, and uh, he has to make those hard calls, and, and that's how you run a business, though. So, you know, yeah. that's how you keep yourself um, viable from day to day. So Yeah. And then you have several give and take. now, right? You have several more businesses now. What do you have? We do. We have, we have 10. Uh, if you include Central Detroit Christian, that would be 11, and we are bringing online two before the end of the year. Wow. Mm -hmm. Would you mind running yeah. through what they are? Oh, sure. Um, okay. So we've got Cafe Sunshine, which is a healthy soul food restaurant. Now, we're just in the process of selling that to the managers, uh, becoming owners, and so that's a happy day for them yeah. and for us. I've eaten uh, there. It's Green. very good. Yeah. Peaches and Greens Produce Market and Mobile Truck, and that is um, doing really well. It took us seven years to break even on that one, Rami, mm. um, because we were in a recession. We didn't even know it, but it's hard to open and keep open a business uh, and under any circumstances, let alone a recession and your city going into bankruptcy and being in a poor neighborhood. But we are finally at break even, and that's thrilling. Um, we are um, also. Um, uh, okay, so that's Peaches and Greens, Cafe Sunshine. Then Higher Ground Landscaping, which I just told you about, that we sold to Craig. Um, Restoration Warehouse, which is a thrift store that focuses on home goods. Uh, Shadow of the Almighty Security Company, which is uh, giving men jobs doing security. We've got five guys who are doing that right now. Love that. Um, Faith, Hope, and Love Productions, which is our two gardens and our orchard, which do produce and do bring in revenue. Um, you know, it's not just a hobby. And then we also have um, CDC's Farm and Fishery, which is an aquaponics farm. And we're just now converting over from tilapia to catfish and uh, hoping that that has better sales um, or is a more attractive fish for people to participate or, or buy. Um, we also have um, Solid Rock Property Management. We manage all of our own properties and we are able to hire men who do um, Snow removal landscaping who do um, and we hire Craig for that who do the maintenance and who do the clean outs and who do the management of collecting rents um, and we we manage about 60 units um, and that's six zero um, right six six, six zero yeah six zero I because just someone, someone just told me yeah someone just told me that all of our real estate work is really a business too and I said well we don't call it that but um, I don't know um, but then finally, we have um, uh, Fit and Fold, which is our laundry where you can work out, you know, fit, and while you do your laundry fold. <laughs> and so um, that's what we do. And uh, that's been open a year now. And so what's in the incubator right now? I hope that was 10. I hope that added up to 10. Um, what's in the incubator right now is City Kids Soup, where we'll be um, doing a soup line. We have six different soup recipes. And teens in our entrepreneurship program will be bagging those soups and um, putting them out for sale. They'll be developing the marketing strategies of how we sell these packaged soups. 
Oh, and that's um, so, so that's kind of a, a just a, a way to get kids and teens involved and give them some opportunity to earn some money. Uh, and then, then our big venture is Pathways of Promise Preschool. I know that's a little bit of a hybrid in terms of a, uh, a service, but it's a business. If you don't run it like a business, you're dead. All right. And um, so we're, we are licensed for 64 kids, and we're looking forward to being open in January. Oh, wow. wow, that's incredible. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. One thing I really wanted to hit, uh, hit on and touch on, I guess I should say, is um, your opinion or your perception of how when you started to add businesses in the neighborhood and create employment for the local neighborhood, um, how did that change your interaction? My sense has always been as you took me around and you showed me the areas that were still or formerly drug uh, drug areas yeah. and gang areas. You and I talked a while, a couple years back about how that really, um, it almost elevated the respect instead of a serving, now you're creating employment and that's a different conversation with the locals. Yeah. How, what, could you talk about that, your opinions on that or what you witnessed there, anything? Yeah. Um. Well, it's, I think it's interesting that the places where we have started businesses, and it kind of makes sense that the reason they went out of business was because they were in these drug-infested areas, and that's why we were able to get these buildings. <laughs> didn't know that, didn't think about that at the time, but um, so a couple of our key businesses are really in areas that have been known for, um, for having a lot of drug activity and a lot of different uh, violent type activity. So we're there to be really light and just be strongholds in those places. And uh, it changed the atmosphere, um, but it happens over time, and it happens in, the, in different ways at each place. Um, um, so it, it's, a, it's, it's that duality, it's that social mission that you have as a social entrepreneur, entrepreneurial endeavor that you weren't even thinking about. But you're creating safe havens for people in these areas of need, and um, and that's what Peaches and Greens has become. It's a community place now. Um, all of our block club presidents have a key to the, to the conference room that's attached to the store, and they can come in there and hold their block club meetings. And um, we developed space for the men across the street who were just hanging out in an old dilapidated garage. We, we renovated that and built an overhang and uh, picnic tables for them. And, now they're gatekeepers. They watch our store, you know, and they're just there's this just this spirit of of gratefulness and appreciation, and um, and that resonates throughout the community that you're not going to mess with CDC because they've done this for us. And um, same thing, you know, with with where the laundromat is at and and where the farm and fishery is. That used to be just a a real haven for um, purchasing heroin and cocaine right there at the farm and fishery and. And that has, that has stopped because of all of our activity that's there. It's not like we went out and said, oh, police, you've got to do something, although that would have been a good idea too. Um, <laughs> but we just kept the area busy, so busy that drug dealers don't want to be there. People don't want to be caught buying right there. So they had to move their activity somewhere else, you know. And, uh, and that's just another way to say, you know, commerce and business are welcome here. And we look forward to having them here. And it, it creates a healthier community, obviously, you know. Right. And there's times where you have to get ugly. And you do have to get in somebody's face to get them out of there. Um, but I'm, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to be that person. And um, if that's what has to happen. Um, 
to, 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 to lead the way. And yeah, so we've, we just got a mix and a variety of people. We have to learn how to work with each of them. They also have to understand what our standards are, you know, and that this is not how business can happen. Our restaurant, I can remember when drug dealers kept trying to post in there. They kept saying, well, this is our table. And they buy, they buy a Coke, you know, or, or some beverage, you know, and they sit there and then they'd wait for the cars to pull up. And I'd have to go over there three or because it was right across the street from my office, three or four or five times a day, you wow. know, to get them out of there and just get them out of there. And, um, you know, we'd be nose to nose on the street and I'd be calling the police. And it's always a risk to call the police because you never know if they're going to come. You know, but I'd be nose to nose with them, calling the police, and they'd be calling the police on me, saying I'm harassing them at the same time. So it was just insanity. No but, kidding. <laughs> but you gotta, you know, you just gotta say, we're not gonna tolerate this behavior. Uh, this community deserves the best, and you are not the best. Yeah. So, I think I, yeah. you know, so many times, I'm so glad you just brought this up, this issue of drawing boundaries. So many social entrepreneurs say to me all the time, well, Rami, I'm, I'm, I'm going to fill in the blank. Rami, um, if I'm feeding the poor and it's okay if they mistreat us, it's just what we're supposed to do. And I'm like, well, that's not necessarily so. You have permission right. to draw boundaries for yourself and for those on your team. Right. And that's rarely talked about. It's sort of uh, mm -hmm. people are worried about offending others. Well, the truth is, is that everybody wants to be treated well and they actually feel safer with folks that are drawing boundaries because there's a consistency there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there was a time where there were, we hate Lisa t-shirts, I'm saying that facetiously, um, and, and that people didn't understand or respect uh, the need for us to change the culture in this neighborhood. But I was just tired of living in a neighborhood where, and this is, um, it's almost a David and Goliath story, you know, but, uh, but at, we live in a neighborhood, and this is typical in poor communities, where wrong is right and right is wrong. You know, I mean, the values and the morals are so twisted um, that it, you sometimes go and you pinch yourself, am I the crazy one? You know, what, what's going on? And, um, but you have to say there's, you know, there's a belief system that I have, being, being a woman of faith and being a Christian, that says, um, this, is, this is what is right. And um, you, you uh, people who are selling drugs and who are abusing alcohol and who are, you know, creating havoc in our neighborhood and terrorizing people with your theft and with your um, um, assault and, and fighting, um, we're, we're just not having that anymore. We're just not having it. But everybody's so afraid. And so you're in bondage to these people, to this, this 2% or this 5% of the neighborhood run everything because nobody will say anything. And somebody's got to stand up and say, we're not taking this anymore. And, um, but in a peaceful way, not like walking tall, um, you know, right. we're going to come right. in there and we're going to bust people's heads, you know, but, um, but we're going to, we're going to love you, but we're also going to tell you that there's a standard and it's respected now, you know, it's really respected. I, I go into the park that we developed and we had a kid, it took five years to get drug dealers out of it after we developed the park for kids to play in. Now I go into it and I say, when are, you, when are you getting out of here? You've been here a little late, getting a little late here, because they'll, they'll ask permission to have a birthday party there or something like that. And they go, oh, we're, we're cleaning up right now. Don't you worry. It'll be cleaner than you can ever imagine. I'm going, okay, okay, yeah. that's what I want to hear. Where five years ago, they would have been cussing my head off, you know, and saying, yeah. we're not, we're not, we didn't have to listen to you. We bought a brick. We helped build this park. Yeah, you helped build this park, but we, we none of us built this park so you could sit in here and sell drugs. I'm sorry. Yeah. So. Wow. And yeah. that's, you know, 
and I'd like to touch on this one last thing. Um, I, I feel, Lisa, I could do about 10 episodes with you, but I'm going to just select mm -hmm. this one last thing. You know, people, when I hear people talking about your organization and the work you've done, they think, wow, she's so big. And they don't realize that this has happened over 22 years. This has happened right. by you one day at a time, keeping the faith when uh, it's, it wasn't yeah. so Hollywood, right? It wasn't such a good story. Oh, yeah. It wasn't all in the media like it is now. You talk about your faith and your persistence to just stay the course. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's the key. And people have asked me that, you know, what, what's the key to success? And first of all, um, I wouldn't say that we've arrived. First of all, um, we, we haven't arrived. I mean, there's so much to be done that you're always in a state of striving, I think. Um, and uh, if, if we want to say that by some means that uh, you've done well here or there, it is because of persistence and it is because of hard work and it's because it's, it's being faithful. It's not, it's, uh, I guess my key word, my husband says this, oh, that's your word, Lisa, when he heard it one, yeah. Resilience is developing resilience where you can stand up against anything that comes against you and you, you're still standing, you know, and that you don't fall down. And when you do fall down, you get back up. And when you fall down, you get back up again, you know, and, and the next time when someone hits you and you fall down, you still get up as opposed to being defeated or as opposed to saying, it's just too hard. I can't do it. You can do it. God didn't put me here for me to say, I can't do it. I need to run and, you know, cry and go somewhere. And that's not to say there aren't days I don't cry. <laughs> you know, but sure. but you you you've got to get up each time when something knocks you down. You still have to get up, and you still have to put your pants on every morning and go to work. You know, and it, there's there's just no. I, I just don't believe in giving up, and uh, and maybe that makes me partly crazy, um, in in some people's books. <laughs> but um, no. but that I think is the secret to to making it happen. That's called perseverance, um, and and long suffering sometimes. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's no, there's nothing we do here that's rocket science. It's just being in a community, loving a community and being active in how you show your love. Yeah. Well, it's, it's evident. It's evident. The neighborhood loves you. They feel loved by you. If there's a theme, if I could mm -hmm. summarize the surrounding local sentiment around you, they feel loved by you. Yeah. So that doesn't happen overnight. No. Exactly. Thank you. Thank yeah. you, Ronnie. I appreciate that. Well, I feel yeah. like I want to just end on that because I feel like you gave us this great drop the mic, you know, <laughs> and there. <laughs> so um, will you tell uh, our listeners how they could uh, look up your organization, maybe your website, any social media? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so you can look us up on our website, which is um, uh, centraldetroitchristian.org. And uh, we have a Facebook page, um, but, and, and we have all this other stuff too, but I don't use any of it, so I couldn't tell you. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> well, they can probably find it. So. <laughs> we'll see yeah, if we can they, find, they can it. find it. <laughs> okay. Hey, Lisa, thank you. Thank you. I know you probably, you I know you well. There's probably a line of people outside your door right now waiting to see you. So thank you. Have an amazing day and we'll check back with you. Okay. Thank you so much, Rami. You have a great day too. Feeling inspired to do something in your community? I hope so. 
It's great to have great social enterprise ideas. In my opinion, this is the way and it's here to stay, missional business. I would encourage all of us to remember that sometimes it's just about a key lime pie and some good old fashioned interaction and listening. Lisa, we want to thank you for the 22 years that you and your family have poured into the Detroit neighborhood. We also want to thank the unaccounted for thousands of you out there who are doing similar things. I know that you may feel unnoticed or small at times, but please be encouraged that you are very important to others around you. Small beginnings create big waves. Okay, last but definitely not least, here's another crowd favorite Detroit artist curated by Assemble Sound. Here's artist Malaya with her song, Drown. See you next time. Drowning in the depths of love Feeling cold inside don't know where to hide I wanna run away Run away, run away I need to cut away from this pain that's killing me Lost in the depths of love Feeling lonely and empty hearted Don't know how the hell this started But it's you That I'm feeling for Drowning out the sound that's killing Don't know why I'm even willing to stick around But it's killing me, killing me, killing me And it's taking me down a path in no reality, baby Even when you come around And you notice there's no drive left in me It's cause I'm feeling empty Cause you mess around
Drown.